Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
You know, doomed fights are okay, too. There's beauty in it, and more than anything else, there's value in it. I'm going to talk about our doomed fight today, a historical doomed fight, too. The system has told you another big fat lie. What's that old Mark Twain saying? A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes in the morning. Do we need a commission run by AOC to rein in the media? What could go wrong there? And finally, don't load drugs in your rental car. But first, let's go back to Hungary. And I understand that I'm probably going to be saying that wrong. Hungary, Hungary. I'm saying Hungary because I'm uneducated. Is there a better way to say it? Probably. But post-World War II, Stalin, Truman, Churchill, getting together, figuring out the sphere of influence for everybody. And this is a an extremely dicey time because nobody trusts Stalin, understandably so. Don't, don't look back on that post-World War II period where we gave the Soviets way too much and sit and think that, you know, well, everybody was naive. Everybody knew Stalin was a really, really bad guy. This was well known before the war. Russia's actions during the war. That word kind of got out too. I, I, look, you could justify it all day long for what the Germans did in the Soviet Union. But what the Soviets did to the Germans on their way to Berlin was not, it was not good. It was really, really not good. War crimes, ugly ones. But part of divvying up Europe was giving Russia, giving the Soviets things, you know, either parts of countries like you saw in Germany and other parts of countries, sometimes whole countries. Churchill, Stalin sit together, and by the time they're done sitting together, the fate of the people in Hungary is sealed. The Soviets decide Hungary's ours. And the Soviets don't, because they're communists, the Soviets do not do passive power. And remember this, I'm going to constantly, constantly be on this theme because it's true. Our leftists are not different than those leftists. They don't do passive power. They get power to use it. And when they use it, they use it to get more of it. The Soviets immediately, immediately lock down Hungary. They have entire units of people. I don't mean like 10 of them. Tons of people who are trained, full-time communist agitators. It's, it's like an education system in the Soviet Union. This is what your training is for. The Hungary gets a guy in charge, very much a Stalin man, by the name of Rakosi. Don't worry about remembering his name. I mean, you can. I'm not going to give you many, many names today. But Rakosi, and he is Stalin's guy. And he gets in there with his other communists. And, of course, because they're communists, the secret police come right along with him. And he has his own great terror. I realize there have been a few great terrors out there. 
Hungary had their own too. You see, post-World War II, from 1945 to 1949, when you're moving in and you're asserting your dominance and you're making sure the country you just got is going to be nice and communist by the time you're done with it, well, like all communists then and now, they're not worried about breaking some eggs to get to the omelet. He begins slowly, and he has to begin slowly, and this is going to be a part of this entire story today, talking about the Hungarian Revolt of 1956. But part of the entire story of the Hungarian Revolt is this. The Soviet Union has a bunch of new territories. The Soviet Union has a more powerful army than all those territories, so there's very little they can do to cast them off. But the Soviet Union has two gigantic, gigantic problems on its hands. One, this is now the era of videotape, pictures. It's easy to get messages to and fro. If you're doing bad things here, word gets out. And because of that, they don't want all the bad stuff getting out. Remember, they still want communism to spread. The view at this time just like today, is for communism to take over the entire world. It must take over the whole world or they can't have the utopia they want. So they don't want video getting out of them pulling somebody's fingernails out for not being a good little commie. They can't afford that. So they're fighting that. The other thing they're fighting is this. They're communists. So they don't have endless amounts of money. This was what the Soviet Union always struggled with. And in the end, this is really what brought them down. You only have so many resources. We do too, and we're absurdly wealthy. And you see, we still find ways to spend way more than we have. But if you're the Soviet Union, your economy isn't close to what ours is because you're a bunch of dirty commies. You take so much of your budget... And you have to figure out how to divvy it up, just like you do in your life, in your business, in your house. So much money goes to here. So much money goes to food. So the Soviet Union, they have this budget, and they obviously need things internally too, right? Every country does. You need to spend money on things. Only they're worried about that sphere of influence and hanging on to that sphere of influence. So as a result, they're spending a huge portion of their budget on the military because it's all they have. But what that's doing is rotting out the Soviet Union internally because they're not spending any money there. They're not modernizing there. It's, it's becoming the painted rust we've talked about time and time and time again. But back to Hungary. Remember, Stalin's guy, Rokosi, is in charge. And from 1945, right after the war, to 1949, he digs in. How does he dig in? First, he went for the right-wing nationalists, and he just killed them. You see, Hungary, like many nations, had right-wing nationalists too. People who wanted to be free. People who loved their country. People who had no desire to live under the communist rule. None. And they were the hardcore fighters. They were the ones the Soviets were most worried about. So they just started making them disappear at night. 
Now, we're not talking mass killings yet. It would be this guy here and that guy there. Hey, where's Bob? I haven't seen him in a month. I guess he's gone now. And people are starting to get the sense right away. Because remember, this is a communist experiment so far. They've never lived under communism yet. Really, the world hadn't experienced communism that much yet. They're wanting to see how this goes. And society starts to, I don't want to say wake up yet, but starts to get the sense and hungry. If you read books about it, something's wrong. They're getting the sense that something is wrong. But the commies aren't just killing people. Oh, they'll do a lot more of that here in a little bit. They're persuading people. They're bribing people. How are they doing this? You see, they don't go in and just kill everybody. I mean, yeah, this fighter, this oh, this guy's a true believer. We better just take him out and shoot him in the back of the head. Oh, this guy? That guy. That guy has a business. That guy has that guy has things he wants to protect. Why don't we just pay him off? Why don't we just threaten him? Any of this sounding familiar yet? Don't worry. It's about to sound more and more familiar. Plus, hiding drugs in your rental car. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. You have to take care of your heart. And I'm not going to get sappy here. I'm not going to get personal here. But I will tell you, heart problems run in my family. High blood pressure runs in my family. I've seen what it does to a family when people struggle with that. Please, take care of your heart. And there's no easier way for you to do that than super beats. I mean... Think about that. I'm not telling you to go out and start running marathons. I'm telling you to eat two Super Beats heart chews per day. Two. That gives you the cardiovascular support you need. And look, I have a great deal for you right now. If you go to superbeats.com slash jesse, that's superbeats.com slash jesse, you get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats heart chews plus a free 30-day supply of their new flavor, Super Grapes. Superbeats.com slash Jesse. Jesse Kelly returns next. The system lied again lied about what happened at the Capitol and lied through their teeth. Don't worry, though. I'm sure they'll take accountability for it. I'm sure they'll take accountability for it. So, hungry. They're killing some people. They're persuading some others. They're bribing some others. They're slowly morphing society into being communist. This is not their first rodeo here. It's just Hungary's first rodeo. They could never have done it. They could never have pulled off the influence they wanted to pull off without the powerful, influential people in society going along with it. Going along with it because it was the easy thing to do. And rest assured, 
The easy thing to do was to just do what the system told you to do. It became well-known. In fact, it's part of what pushed the revolution, the revolt, I guess I should call it, in, in 1956 was the people who didn't go along, the ones who didn't die or get arrested, we'll get to that in a second, they had really, really crappy lives. Whereas everybody who went along, life was pretty good. The Soviets knew they should show how good life was if you were just little, a good little boy and girl. Just do what you're told. Do what the system tells you to do. Do what your teachers tell you to do. Do what the government tells you to do. Just, just do as you're told. Look at Bob. Bob did what he's told. See that nice house? Oh, look, Bob's got a couple pretty girls under his arm. What's that you're eating, Bob? Steak tonight? Oh, thanks for being a good little commie. Oh, but over here is Jeff. Jeff wanted to resist and have his own thoughts. Jeff wanted to be free. Jeff's in jail now. And this is the time, and you are going to face, Lord willing, nothing exactly like this, but you, in the coming years, you're going to be faced, and me too, especially me with what I do now, you're going to be faced with choices. Choices that can make life comfortable or choices that can make life uncomfortable. Because now that the system is this entrenched around you, They're going to make your life really, really uncomfortable if you're not a good little boy or a good little girl and do what you're told. And it is important, just like these lions we're about to talk about in this story, it is important for you not to go along with it, not to get along, not to do the easy thing, to whatever extent you can. Everybody has their own level of fight in them. To whatever extent you can, you had better hold out. Back to hungry. 45 to 49 was the cinching in period. Getting their people in place. Yeah, you got to kill a few people, persuade some others, but it's okay. Then it was great terror time. Remember that guy, Matthias Rakosi, and I might be saying his name wrong. I'm not Hungarian. Rakosi, I'm pretty sure is right. Stalin's right-hand man. He was the run running things for the commies in Hungary. Now it's 1950 to 1953. It's great terror time. And when I say great terror, I want you to picture this. We have, what, 350 million, give or take, people in the United States of America, roughly. Picture 35 million people being arrested and put into some kind of political gulag system. What I'm telling you, and I'm not making this up, over 10% of the Hungarian population was prosecuted for crimes during this period of time. This was once they had, remember the cinching down period? Once you've got total control, this was the cleansing part. Over 10% of society, executions, no trials, political prisoner labor camps, and torture. Lots of it. I don't feel like ruining your lunch today, so I'm not going to go into the details, but you should know this. It was unspeakably awful, and Matthias Rakosi, he loved it. He loved it so much that he forced his men 
to come back when he wasn't present for tortures. He forced his men to come back and give him details of the torture, of the screaming. He wanted these stories told to him over dinner. That's the kind of person we're dealing with here. They had a saying going around Hungary at this time, there are three kinds of people out here. People who've been arrested, people who are currently arrested, and dead people. It was really bad. Concentration camps, political prisoners. And then, and this may be the only good news, and rest assured, you're going to start seeing more and more of this now here in our country with what we have. The commies always turn on each other. Always. Remember we did that show on Pol Pot? Not to get sidetracked, but you know I do. We did that show on Pol Pot a while ago. And when Pol Pot had taken over, there were, I, I believe the number, I may have this wrong, was 22 Communist Party members. You know, 22 guys who are really in charge of things. By the time he was done, 18 of them were dead. As soon as they take over, they start killing each other. During this point in time, over half the commies started reporting on each other, getting themselves tortured, executed, sent to the gulags, because you see, the system... When it gets that broken, the communist system is, is designed to just be broken. When it's that broken, there's no saving it. There's no saving it. And the easiest thing in the world is to blame other people. It's not my fault. It's this commissar's. Uh, you know why this didn't work? Because this guy's a traitor. He's a secret capitalist. Get him and then we'll get out of here. And that's how you climb the ladder. And that's how you avoid ever having to look in the mirror and say, oh, man, this system doesn't work at all. This is, this is really evil. This really sucks. Now, what happens in 1953, boys and girls? Stalin dies. Stalin dies, and the new regime in the Soviet Union takes over. And by the grace of God, not that this was a great regime under Nikita Khrushchev, but by, under, by the grace of God, a new regime takes over and they really, really wanted to pull back on what Stalin was doing. They knew. They could see what was happening on the world stage. They knew that the Soviet Union was starting to look really, really, really bad. That Stalin was a bad image for the country. That we, are, we don't want to be seen as these vicious tyrant barbarians who slaughter people by the thousands. They wanted to change that image. Khrushchev did. He wanted to change the image. But you see, he had a problem. Communism cannot exist. Can't, it's not possible for it ex to exist without brutality, without murder, without control, without censorship. You have to have those things if you want to have a communist country. Communism and brutality go hand in hand. You see, they dumped Rikosi. I'm not going to go over into who they replaced it with. These names aren't, aren't important to the story. They brought in a new guy. We can't have this brutal Rikosi guy here anymore. He's a Stalin guy. Get rid of this guy. They bring in a new commie to run things in Hungary. And he quickly finds he has to do the exact same things to enforce communism. 
not where this is gonna be a this is gonna be a nicer communism. Oh, whoa, this guy's this guy's talking about a better political system. Let's get rid of him. The Soviet Union starts to get the sense the people of Hungary have about had enough. So they start to make preparations. But they have to be careful about that too. We'll talk about that in a second. And do we need a commission to reign in the media run by AOC? Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. I thank the gentleman. The speaker said to us just moments ago, words matter. But apparently those words don't matter when they're uttered by Democrats. When the gentlelady from Massachusetts calls for unrest in the streets. When the gentlelady from California brazenly brags that she called for people to get in the faces of those who serve and support the president. I denounce political violence from all ends of the spectrum. But make no mistake, the left in America has incited far more political violence than the right. For months, our cities burned Police stations burned, our businesses were shattered, and they said nothing. Or they cheerled for it, and they fundraised for it, and they allowed it to happen in the greatest country in the world. Now, some have cited, some have cited the metaphor that the president lit the flame. Well, they lit actual flames, actual fires, and we Time put them out. Expired. There will be order in the house. Daggone, Senator Josh Hawley's got me standing up cheering in the studio. My man, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Don't let them decide the narrative. Don't let the system lie to you. All right, we got to go back to Hungary. Don't let me get sidetracked here. Back to Hungary, the Soviets are starting to pick up on some tension there. They decide to start prepping. They create something called Operation Wave. And what it is, is simply a military plan to crush a revolt should it happen to crop up within Hungary. Lo and behold, they were going to need it very, very, very soon. People were unhappy. 
And remember how short the timeline is here. The Soviets took over 1945. We've now gotten to 1956. So we are still in the era where this this communism is, one, horrible, obviously, but two, new enough that people who are adults remember what it was like before they had to live like this. And that that's when communism is under its greatest danger, when people have tasted freedom and they don't want to live like this anymore. And oddly enough, for us, it began with students. You see, here in America, because we have ruined generation after generation with an anti-American commie education system, we think of young people as socialists. Well, you've even heard the sayings before. A young person's going to be a Democrat till he gets his first paycheck. You know, you say that a lot. You hear that all the time. Well, he's young. You realize... The young people in countries all across the world are the freedom fighters. Our kids don't have to be socialists. Our kids are socialists because our entire culture tells them they should be. We're the ones who are broken and hungry. It started with the students. The students, they start organizing a march. The march was simply a walk through town, through Budapest. Just let's head on down to the to the communist headquarters, and let's air some of our grievances. They come up with a document that had 16 points on it. And point number one, they wanted the Soviet military to stop patrolling their streets. Any of this sounding familiar yet? The Soviets found out about the march before it was it was coming, but they didn't know how to handle it. There, was, there were arguments, because remember that balancing act the Soviet Union had. Oh, don't get me wrong. There were plenty of conversations of, let's just go kill all the students right now. But then other people were saying, well, I'd love to kill all the students. But that's so much killing. Then word gets out that we're killing. Then the international community is watching. We have to be careful. The Soviet Union was always wrestling with this. They decide to let the march go. Thousands start marching. And then, and this entire thing is one of those things that gives me goosebumps if you can picture the scene. The people who'd been living under this. Word starts to spread around town that there's a march going on. An anti-Soviet march. An anti-communist march going on. And people begin to pour out of the buildings and join the march, not by the tens, by the thousands. They're joining the march. And this is purely word of mouth because guess what else? And we'll get to this in a second. As you can imagine, the commies controlled the air. The commies controlled the media. They had their own commie radio system, which we will get to. So this went word of mouth spread like wildfire. Soon, The thousands who were marching down to the commie headquarters, they took their flag. The flag, the Soviets had put a hammer and sickle in the middle of it. And you could actually go image search this and see pictures of it. The people took that flag and ripped out the center so the hammer and sickle was gone. And they were carrying just their flag now without the Soviet hammer and sickle in an awesome, awesome moment. They go down. They get down to their town square. And this 
has got to be, if I could pick one moment in history, this would be on my very short list that I wish I could have seen it. I would have given anything to see it. It's, it's dark now. The march has been going on. You have thousands of people out there. The Soviets don't know what to do. Yes, they have secret policemen all over town who've been torturing and murdering them. We'll get to that in a second. But they don't really have the troops. They don't have the numbers to stop these thousands of people just yet. So they try something they, they hoped would work. It was a Hail Mary, if you will. They cut the power. Everyone's down there. They're all in the town square. They're all they're, they're thousands of people chanting, waving their Soviet hammer and sickle flags, and they just, boom, lights go out. Whoa. Remember I said they controlled the media? Part of controlling the media was they had their own commie magazine and magazines. They would, and of course, it's all edited to make Soviets look good. You know, communism's great. One guy, one guy, they say he was a young guy, rolls up his communist magazine and lights the end of it on fire as a torch so people can see. And soon, everybody is rolling up their commie magazines and they're lighting them on fire. And now you have the torches of freedom lit by people burning their commie magazines in town. And now the Soviet Union knows we are in very, very, very deep trouble here. They start mobilizing the military. They start sending in thousands of troops. Not, not I, I think the number, the initial number, we don't know exactly. It was like four or five thousand troops. They start sending in some tanks. Well, the march only continues to grow, and the march decides we need a destination. You know what we want? We're going to the communist radio station, the one the commies run, so we can read our 16 points. We can read our demands to the people of this country. They get to the commie radio station, and they find Soviet troops lined up with weapons. Only a couple hundred of them, though. They're facing thousands of angry protesters. Protesters are demanding they want in. Soviets won't let them in. It's getting extremely tense at this point in time. And the Soviets, remember, have to be really careful right now, really careful how they play this. They still just, what they want now, they just want this to calm down and go away. It's one of those moments you, uh, if you're a teenager and you happen to sneak out of the home, don't do that, kids, but you sneak out of your house at night, go hang out with your buddies, cause some trouble, and you're sneaking back in and your dog starts barking, and you're like, shut up, please just shut up. That's what the Soviets want out of the Hungarian people right now. Please just shut up. We don't want the world to know. We don't want the world to know you're unhappy. We don't want the world to think we're too weak to stop this. We don't want the world to know anything. Just please shut up. But they're not shutting up. The Soviets decide on one more Hail Mary pass to stop this, and it turned out to be the absolute worst thing they could do at the time. I'll tell you what that is in a second, and then we'll get to the new system lie they're telling you. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com has done the research to make sure you don't end up with bad CBD. And this is what I mean by bad CBD. Ineffective. 
I have personal experience with this because I was dumb and used to just go buy CBD anywhere. Well, all CBD is not the same. And of course, that makes sense now. I realize that. This CBD company, like Be Best Organics, which you can find on DoctorsTrustedCBD.com, Be Best Organics, they test every single batch, every single batch. Other CBDs don't. So at Be Best Organics, I know every batch is pure, every batch is potent. So you're going to have that same experience. And don't think you're bound to just the full-spectrum CBD oil. You have options for CBD. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. When you do that, that actually saves you 5% and gets you a free lip balm. Listen, Kathy. The Jesse Kelly Show. And that's my call to action here. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. That's weird. That was Cory Booker, man. That that almost sounds like incitement. Chris, is that sounding like incitement to you? I look. I don't. I'm just going off the rules I've been taught. Recently, I I can't I can't keep track of what's incitement and what's not incitement. All right, back to back to hungry before we get to the other big lie you've been told. Remember, the marchers of hungry, they're now out in front of the commie-controlled radio station. The commies have troops set up. The marchers are demanding to be allowed inside. The commies won't let them in. This is the tense moment, and the commies decide, they decide to do what communists do. They decide they're going to try to lie. What they do is, they don't let them in the station, but they take a radio van, and they pull the radio van up to the students, and they tell them, okay, okay. We've heard your concern. And I shouldn't just say students. It was a lot more than students at this point. We've heard your concern. We're going to let you broadcast your 16 points. Go ahead. You can use the van and broadcast your 16 points. They're thrilled. They're thrilled. Okay, outstanding. That's all we wanted. They get in. They start speaking into the microphone, broadcasting. They think they're 16 points. People start coming out of their homes and telling the students, Telling the marchers, they're lying to you. None of that's being broadcast. The broadcast hasn't changed from the same commie propaganda they always have. It was all a lie. Now, the final lie, now that was too much. Now they're angry. Now they're trying to force their way into the radio station. The Soviets are now shooting tear gas at them. The students are picking up the tear gas canisters and throwing it back inside the station. The Soviets fix bayonets. The Soviets start shooting. The people who are rebelling start dying. Women, kids, everybody, they start dying. The Soviets, all of a sudden, bring in some tanks and trucks, only they're not Soviet troops. 
they're Hungarian troops. Hungarian troops who really, you know, work for the Soviet Union. However, this hero of a commander for the Hungarian troops gets out and promptly tells his troops, do not fire. These are our people. We're not firing on our people. And reportedly, again, there were so many cool moments in this. Reportedly, the troops started cheering when they found out they didn't have to fire on their own countrymen. Some of the troops started handing their weapons to the marchers, to the rebels. Finally, the new guy in charge. Remember, it's not Rakozi anymore. His name is Garo, but the new guy in charge. He decides he's going to put a stop to this once and for all. He gets on the commie radio station and gives a speech. The speech was not apologetic. The speech was not in any way taking accountability. The speech was, and tell me if this sounds familiar at all. You ever get any of this? The speech was scolding all the people for being angry, scolding the people for having disturbances in the streets. You're stupid and you're wrong and you're violent and the fault is all yours and I haven't done anything wrong. And now it's on. The people lose their minds. Now the workers start going on strike. Remember, the commies force everybody to be workers. The workers start going on strike. They start leaving. Khrushchev, the head of the Soviet Union, now has no other choice. He has to send in the troops. He has to do what he didn't want to do before, and that's send in the troops by force. He thinks he's losing Hungary, and he's right. Thousands of not Hungarian Soviet troops start to pour in. Soviet tanks start to pull in. They come in at night. They do not find a bunch of really pliable, just little students. Remember, students are all socialists, right? No, not in Hungary. They weren't. They find a guerrilla force who had been preparing for them. They roll in at night. Um... They get Molotov cocktails dropped into their tanks. The Hungarians would do things like leave a saucepan in the road so it looks like a mine and a tank would pull right up to it and stop so they could address the mine, which gave the Hungarians a chance to drop Molotov cocktails in the top of it from, the, from, from an apartment. How sweet is that? The Soviets are not here yet to slaughter people. Don't get me wrong, they're certainly killing people. But remember, Khrushchev really want, just wants this to end. So they're there as like a security police force. They start seizing control of intersections. Except now the guerrilla forces, they start attacking the Soviets who were gathered in small groups all over the place. And it gets even better before it gets worse. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. 
Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Remember, we still have to get to drugs in your rental car, the big lie the system told to you. But first, we're going to try to wrap up our story of the Hungarian revolt in 1956 as they push back against the commies. Something you have to understand about where we currently are in the story. Like I said, the Soviets were just really a police force right now. The Hungarians, though, had no leadership because this wasn't organized. This was just supposed to be a student march. It turned into a revolt. Now, there are bodies stacking up. The Soviets are killing people. But the Soviets are starting to come across... They're starting to come across some really, really ugly things. Some things that are concerning them greatly. They're concerning them so greatly... They're sending messages back to the Kremlin. They're sending messages back to Khrushchev and the communist leaders saying, guys, we might have some serious, serious trouble on our hands over here. Do you know what we just found? Do you know what we found? I'll tell you what they found. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. Ooh. Man, that sounds like incitement. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, that sounds like incitement to me, doesn't it, Chris? I I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. Whoa. Guess it's time to impeach her. (laughs) <laughs> All right, stop. I want to finish my Hungarian revolt story. It's gone on too long. I love the story. You know what? I'm not sorry. I love history stuff. It's awesome. So the Soviets start finding things. You know what they're finding that has them extremely alarmed? Well, you remember in the beginning we were talking about all the torture and murder that just comes with communism? Always did. Always will. Always has. 
They had secret police doing this. You know, it's always the state's police force enforcing things, doing these things. If you live, work, and worship in this area, you know who the secret policemen are. They're not wearing masks. You fear them. You you cross the street when you see them coming the other way, but you know who they are. But like we've talked about time and time and time again, no matter your situation, whether it be commie politics, business, personal life, whatever the case may be, be very, very, very careful how you use power when you have it. Because at some point in time, you're not going to have it anymore, and people will remember. These crowds remembered who the secret policemen were. Do you know what the Soviets were finding? The Soviets were finding scaffolds that had been built. Sometimes they were trees, but sometimes they were scaffolds. Oh, they they weren't finding dead secret policemen that had been hanged by their neck. They tied these guys up by their feet and hoisted them up in the air. And then they beat them, not to death, until they were almost dead. Shattered bones broke everything. And then they burned them all alive. And when they were done burning them alive, they took money. Because remember, commie societies are societies of bribery and treachery. They took piles of money and dumped them underneath the bodies of the dead Soviet policemen, and no one touched a cent of it. They left them there, burnt alive, underneath, on, on over top of a pile of money. The Soviets are finding this. It's not once or twice. Over and over and over and over again, they're finding the secret policemen like this, and they send word back to Khrushchev, buddy, we are in serious trouble here. Khrushchev now takes the gloves off. It's no longer a police action. And sadly, that's about the end of the great parts of the story. Now it turns into an absolute massacre. Now they're not holding intersections. Now we have Soviet tanks with heavy machine guns on them pulling up to certain parts. Because remember, these are all happening spontaneously all over the city, pulling up to huge, you know, thousand-person rallies and just simply opening fire on them. People dying. Lots of them. They begin shelling the city. They begin broadcasting from that commie radio station lies to the people telling them they'll form a new government. Just calm down. The Soviets bring in fighter jets. They're bombing the place to the ground. Finally, they blew out all the resistance. If they even received, you know, a gunshot from this general direction in the city block, they would simply drive right up to it with their tanks and blow the entire several-story apartment complex to the ground, shattering the entire place. When all was said and done, the Hungarian revolt of 1956 was put down. They lost. They they, they lost. 200,000 refugees flee. Horrible scene. You tell me. Because eventually Hungary got their freedom. You tell me. Was that whole thing a mistake? When I was telling you that story about the commie magazines lit on fire and going after the secret police and finally pushing back, did you find yourself saying, oh, those people are out of line. 
They shouldn't be. Why are they? Why are they doing this? They're violating the norms. Why don't they just let everything be? Did you find yourself saying that? No, you didn't. You found yourself saying, yeah, get that commie scum. Go fight for your freedom. There's value in that. There's value in your kids and your kids' kids seeing people fight like that. People who were alive that day eventually tasted freedom. Don't think for one second this didn't play a part in it. If you're looking right now at the United States of America and you're talking about how much trouble we are in, and we are, we are surrounded. It's not about the presidency in the House and the Senate. Obviously, that's not good. Culturally, we are completely surrounded by the bad people. Bad people who hate you and who hate what you want. And that's fine. If you're feeling that way, fine. That doesn't mean you stop fighting. That means now more than ever you fight, even if it's doomed. Even if you can't do anything about it. Even if in the end you're going to fail. If for no other reason, then your kids need to see you do it. We have to start changing the next generation and how they think. That's how we lost this culture war. We let the people who hate us educate our children. And now they're CEOs, they're senators, they run your society now. We start now. We start now teaching our kids. We start now showing people, no, actually, some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth getting in trouble for. We can do this. We can show people we're in this for the fight. You don't have to see victory in your lifetime. And let me burst your bubble, or maybe this will be comforting. You're never going to see victory in your lifetime. Because it took them 80 years, 100 years to take over the culture. It's going to take us that long to take it back. But if you and I don't start winning a little battle here and winning a little battle there, then we're never going to take it back. Then all we're doing is pushing that 100 years down the road. What's that great saying by Samuel Adams? I'm going to screw it up. I know I'm going to screw it up. No, John Adams. I study war and politics so my sons can study math and philosophy. That's a great saying. What's he saying there? You and I have an obligation to do the necessary things now. To do the hard things now. To make sure our kids, or maybe their kids, or maybe their kids, whoever it is, don't have to do those hard things, can just enjoy living in America. But we have a lot of work to do. And no, like I said, I'm not here to tell you, I'll just keep on fighting. Two years, we'll take back the House, and then we're fine. Buddy, if you gave me the House, Senate, and presidency tomorrow, I would still tell you we have a mountain to climb because of the culture. It is the culture that has to change. What's that famous thing? I think it was Breitbart that said it. Maybe I'm wrong. Politics is downstream of culture. 100% true. All this rotten filth you see out there right now in your culture, all that came 
from our, well, from how we've treated the generations before us. Let us begin to change it no matter what now, even if we're doomed. It's worth it. All right, the big lie. There's another one. Hang on. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.